0: Section 3 of Elia and the Last Essays of Elia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Elia and the Last Essays of Elia by Charles Lamb. Christ's Hospital, five and thirty years ago in mr lamb's works published a year or two since i find a magnificent eulogy on my old school footnote recollections of christ's hospital footnote such as it was or now appears to him to have been between the years seventeen eighty two and seventeen eighty nine it happens very oddly that my own standing at christ's was nearly corresponding with his and with all gratitude to him for his enthusiasm for the cloisters i think he has contrived to bring together whatever can be said in praise of them dropping all the other side of the argument most ingeniously i remember l at school and can well recollect that he had some peculiar advantages which i and others of his schoolfellows had not his friends lived in town and were near at hand and he had the privilege of going to see them almost as often as he wished through some invidious distinction which was denied to us the present worthy sub-treasurer to the inner temple can explain how that happened he had his tea and hot rolls in the morning while we were battening upon our quarter of a penny loaf our crug, moistened with attenuated small beer in wooden piggings smacking of the pitched leathern jack it was poured from our monday's milk porridge blue and tasteless and the pea soup of saturday coarse and choking were enriched for him with a slice of extraordinary bread and butter from the hot loaf of the temple the wednesday's mess of millet somewhat less repugnant we had three banyan to four meat days in the week was endeared to his palate with a lump of double refined and a smack of ginger to make it go down the more glibly or the fragrant cinnamon in lieu of our half pickled Sundays, or quite fresh boiled beef on Thursdays, strong as caro equina, with detestable marigolds floating in the pail to poison the broth, our scanty mutton crags on Fridays, and rather more savoury but grudging portions of the same flesh rotten roasted or rare on the tuesdays the only dish which excited our appetites and disappointed our stomachs in almost equal proportion he had his hot plate of roast veal or the more tempting griskin exotics unknown to our palates cooked in the paternal kitchen a great thing and brought him daily by his maid or aunt i remember the good old relative in whom love forbade pride squatting down upon some odd book by a by-nook of the cloisters disclosing the viands of the higher regale than those cates which the ravens ministered to the tishbite and the contending passions of ell at the unfolding there was love for the bringer shame for the thing brought and the manner of its bringing sympathy for those who were too many to share it and at top of all hunger eldest strongest of the passions predominant breaking down the stony fences of shame and awkwardness and a troubling over-consciousness i was a poor friendless boy my parents and those who should care for me were far away those few acquaintances of theirs which they could reckon upon being kind to me in the great city after a little forced notice which they had the grace to take of me on my first arrival in town soon grew tired of my holiday visits they seemed to them to recur too often though i thought them few enough and one after another they all failed me and i felt myself alone among six hundred playmates oh the cruelty of separating a poor lad from his early homestead the yearnings which i used to have towards it in those unfledged years how in my dreams would my native town far in the west come back with its church and trees and faces how i would wake weeping and in the anguish of my heart exclaim upon sweet culn in wiltshire to this late hour of my life i trace impressions left by the recollection of those friendless holidays the long warm days of summer never return but they bring with them a gloom from the haunting memory of those whole day leaves when by some strange arrangement we were turned out for the livelong day upon our own hands whether we had friends to go to or none i remember those bathing excursions to the new river which l recalls with such relish better i think than he can for he was a home-seeking lad and did not much care for such water pastimes how merrily we would sally forth into the fields and strip under the first warmth of the sun and wanton like young dace in the streams getting us appetites for noon which those of us that were penniless our scanty morning crust long since exhausted had not the means of allaying while the cattle and the birds and the fishes were at feed about us and we had nothing to satisfy our cravings the very beauty of the day and the exercise of the pastime and the sense of liberty setting a keener edge upon them how faint and languid finally we would return towards nightfall to our desired morsel half rejoicing half reluctant that the hours of our uneasy liberty had expired it was worse in the days of winter to go prowling about the streets objectless shivering at cold windows of print shops to extract a little amusement or haply, as a last resort in the hope of a little novelty to pay a fifty times repeated visit where our individual faces should be as well known to the warden as those of his own charges to the lions in the tower to whose levee by courtesy immemorial we had a prescriptive title to admission l's governor so we called the patron who presented us to the foundation lived in a manner under his paternal roof any complaint which he had to make was sure of being attended to this was understood at christ's and was an effectual screen to him against the severity of masters or worse tyranny of the monitors the oppressions of these young brutes are heart-sickening to call to recollection i have been called out of my bed and waked for the purpose in the coldest winter nights and this not once but night after night in my shirt to receive the discipline of a leathern thong with eleven other sufferers because it pleased my callow overseer when there has been any talking heard after we had gone to bed to make the six last beds in the dormitory where the youngest children of us slept answerable for an offence they neither dared to commit nor had the power to hinder the same execrable tyranny drove the younger part of us from the fires and when our feet were perishing with snow and under the cruelest penalties forbade the indulgence of a drink of water when we lay in sleepless summer nights fevered with the season and the day's sports there was one h who i learned in after days was seen expiating some maturer offence in the hulks do i flatter myself in fancying that this might be the planter of the name who suffered at nevis i think or st Kitts, some few years since my friend tobin was the benevolent instrument of bringing him to the gallows this petty nero actually branded a boy who had offended him with a red-hot iron and nearly starved forty of us with exacting contributions to the one-half of our bread to pamper a young ass which incredible as it may seem with the connivance of the nurse's daughter a young flame of his he had contrived to smuggle in and keep upon the leads of the ward as they called our dormitories. this game went on for better than a week till the foolish beast not able to farewell but he must cry roast meat happier than caligula's minion could he have kept his own counsel but foolisher alas than any of his species in the fables waxing fat and kicking in the fullness of bread one unlucky minute would needs proclaiming his good fortune to the world below and laying out his simple throat blew such a ram's horn blast as toppling down the walls of his own Jericho, set concealment any longer at defiance. The client was dismissed with certain attentions to Smithfield, but I never understood that the patron underwent any censure on the occasion. This was in the stewardship of l s admired Perry. Under the same facile administration can L have forgotten the cool impunity with which the nurses used to carry away openly in open platters for their own tables one out of two of every hot joint which the careful matron had then seeing scrupulously weighed out for our dinners these things were daily practised in that magnificent apartment which l grown connoisseur since we presume praises so highly for the grand paintings by de verrio and others with which it is hung round and adorned but the sight of sleek well-fed blue-coat boys in pictures was at that time i believe little consolatory to him or us the living ones who saw the better part of our provisions carried away before our faces by harpies and ourselves reduced with the trojan in the hall of dido to feed our mind with idle portraiture l has recorded the repugnance of the school to gags or the fat of fresh beef boiled and sets it down to some superstition but these unctuous morsels are never grateful to young palates. children are universally fat haters and in strong coarse boiled meats unsalted are detestable a gag eater in our time was equivalent to a ghoul and held in equal detestation suffered under the imputation Twas said he ate strange flesh he was observed after dinner carefully to gather up the remnants left at his table not many nor very choice fragments you may credit me and in an especial manner these disreputable morsels which he would convey away and secretly stow in the settle that stood at his bedside none saw when he ate them it was rumoured that he privately devoured them in the night he was watched but no traces of such midnight practices were discoverable some reported that on leave days he had been seen to carry out of the bounds a large blue check handkerchief full of something this then must be the accursed thing conjecture next was at work to imagine how he could dispose of it some said he sold it to the beggars this belief generally prevailed he went about moping none spake to him no one would play with him he was excommunicated put out of the pale of the school he was too powerful a boy to be beaten but he underwent every mode of that negative punishment which was more grievous than many stripes still he persevered at length he was observed by two of his school-fellows who were determined to get at the secret and had traced him one leave-day for that purpose to enter a large worn-out building such as there exist specimens of in chancery lane which are let out to various scales of pauperism with open door and a common staircase after him they silently slunk in and followed by stealth up four flights and saw him tap at a poor wicket which was opened by an aged woman meanly clad suspicion now ripened into certainty the informers had secured their victim they had him in their toils accusation was formally preferred and retribution most signal was looked for mr hathaway the then steward for this happened a little after my time with that patient sagacity which tempered all his conduct determined to investigate the matter before he proceeded to sentence the result was that the supposed mendicants the receivers or purchasers of the mysterious scraps turned out to be the parents of an honest couple come to decay whom the seasonable supply had in all probability saved from mendicancy and that this young stork at the expense of his own good name had all this while been only feeding the old birds the governors on this occasion much to their honour voted a present relief to the family of and presented him with a silver medal the lesson which the steward read upon rash judgment on the occasion of publicly delivering the medal to i believe would not be lost upon his auditory i had left the school then but i well remember he was a tall shambling youth with a cast in his eye not at all calculated to conciliate hostile prejudices i have since seen him carrying a baker's basket i think i heard he did not do quite so well by himself as he had done by the old folks i was a hypochondriac lad and the sight of a boy in fetters upon the day of my first putting on the blue clothes was not exactly fitted to assuage the natural terrors of initiation i was of tender years barely turned of seven and had only read of such things in books or seen them but in dreams i was told he had run away this was the punishment for the first offence as a novice i was soon after taken to see the dungeons these were little square bedlam cells where a boy could just lie at his length upon straw and a blanket a mattress i think was afterwards substituted with a peep of light let in askance from a prison orifice at top barely enough to read by here the poor boy was locked in by himself all day without sight of any but the porter who brought him his bread and water who might not speak to him or of the beadle who came twice a week to call him out to receive his periodical chastisement which was almost welcome because it separated him for a brief interval from solitude and here he was shut up by himself of nights out of the reach of any sound to suffer whatever horrors the weak nerves and superstition incident to his time of life might subject him to footnote, one or two instances of lunacy or attempted suicide accordingly at length convinced the governors of the impolicy of this part of the sentence and the midnight torture to the spirits was dispensed with this fancy of dungeons for children was a sprout of howard's brain for which saving the reverence due to holy paul methinks i could willingly spit upon his statue End footnote. this was the penalty for the second offence wouldst thou like reader to see what became of him in the next degree the culprit who had been a third time an offender and whose expulsion was at this time deemed irreversible was brought forth as at some solemn auto da fe arranged in uncouth and most appalling attire all trace of his late at weeds carefully effaced he was exposed in a jacket resembling those which london lamplighters formerly delighted in with a cap of the same the effect of this divestiture was such as the ingenious devisers of it could have anticipated with his pale and frightened features it was as if some of those disfigurements in dante had seized upon him in this disguisement he was brought into the hall, L's favourite state room, where awaited him the whole number of his schoolfellows, whose joint lessons and sports he was thenceforth to share no more, the awful presence of the steward to be seen for the last time, of the executioner-beadle clad in his state robe for the occasion, and of two faces more of direr import, because never but in these extremities visible these were the governors two of whom by choice or charter were always accustomed to officiate at these ultima supplicia not to mitigate so at least we understood it but to enforce the uttermost stripe old Bamber gascoigne and peter aubert i remember were colleagues on one occasion when the beadle turning rather pale a glass of brandy was ordered to prepare him for the mysteries the scourging was after the old roman fashion long and stately the lictor accompanied the criminal quite round the hall we were generally too faint with attending to the previous disgusting circumstances to make accurate report with our eyes of the degree of corporeal suffering inflicted report of course gave out the back knotty and livid after scourging he was made over in his san benito to his friends if he had any but commonly such poor runagates were friendless or to his parish officer who to enhance the effect of the scene had his station allotted to him on the outside of the hall gate these solemn pageantries were not played off so often as to spoil the general mirth of the community we had plenty of exercise and recreation after school hours and for myself i must confess that i was never happier than in them the upper and lower grammar schools were held in the same room and an imaginary line only divided their bounds their character was as different as that of the inhabitants on the two sides of the pyrenees the reverend james boyer was the upper master and the reverend matthew field presided over that portion of the apartment of which i had the good fortune to be a member we lived a life as careless as birds we talked and did just what we pleased and nobody molested us we carried an accidents or a grammar for form but for any trouble it gave us we might take two years in getting through the verb's deponent and another two in forgetting all that we had learned about them there was now and then the formality of saying a lesson but if you had not learned it a brush across the shoulders just enough to disturb a fly was the sole remonstrance field never used the rod and in truth he wielded the cane with no great goodwill holding it like a dancer it looked in his hands rather like an emblem than an instrument of authority and an emblem too he was ashamed of he was a good easy man that did not care to ruffle his own peace, nor perhaps set any great consideration upon the value of juvenile time he came among us now and then but often stayed away whole days from us and when he came it made no difference to us he had his private room to retire to, the short time he stayed, to be out of the sound of our noise, our mirth and uproar went on. We had classics of our own, without being beholden to insolent Greece or haughty Rome that passed current among us, Peter Wilkins, the adventures of honourable Captain Robert Boyle, the fortunate blue coat boy, and the like or we cultivated a turn for mechanic or scientific operations, making little sundials of paper, or weaving those ingenious parentheses called cat cradles, or making dry peas to dance upon the end of a tin pipe, or studying the art military over that laudable game, French and English, and a hundred other such devices to pass away the time, mixing the useful with the agreeable, as would have made the souls of Rousseau and John Locke chuckle to have seen us matthew field belonged to that class of modern divines who affect to mix in equal proportion the gentleman the scholar and the christian but i know not how the first ingredient is generally found to be the predominating dose in the composition he was engaged in gay parties or with his courtly bow at some episcopal levee when he should have been attending upon us he had for many years the classical charge of a hundred children during the four or five first years of their education and his very highest form seldom proceeded further than two or three of the introductory fables of phaedrus how things were suffered to go on thus i cannot guess Boyer, who was the proper person to have remedied these abuses always affected perhaps felt a delicacy in interfering in a province not strictly his own i have not been without my suspicions that he was not altogether displeased at the contrast we presented to his end of the school we were a sort of helots to his young spartans he would sometimes with ironic deference Sent to borrow a rod of the undermaster, and then, with sardonic grin, observed to one of his upper boys how neat and fresh the twigs looked. While his pale students were battering their brains over Xenophon and Plato, with a silence as deep as that enjoined by the Samite, we were enjoying ourselves at our ease in our little Goshen. We saw a little into the secrets of his discipline, and the prospect did but the more reconcile us to our lot. His thunders rolled innocuous for us, his storms came near but never touched us. Contrary to Gideon's miracle, while all around were drenched, our fleece were dry. Footnote Cowley End footnote his boys turned out the better scholars we i suspect have the advantage in temper his pupils cannot speak of him without something of terror allaying their gratitude the remembrance of field comes back with all the soothing images of indolence and summer slumbers and work-like play and innocent idleness and elysian exemptions and life itself a playing holiday though sufficiently removed from the jurisdiction of boyer we were near enough as i have said to understand a little of his system we occasionally heard sounds of ululantis and caught glances of Tartarus B was a radiant pedant. His English style was cramped to barbarism. His Easter anthems, for his duty obliged him to these periodical flights, were grating as scrannel pipes. Footnote In this and everything, B was the antipodes of his coadjutor, while the former was digging his brains for crude anthems worth a pignut f would be recreating his gentlemanly fancy in the more flowery walks of the muses a little dramatic effusion of his under the name of vertumus and pomona is not yet forgotten by the chroniclers of that sort of literature it was accepted by garrick but the town did not give it their sanction b used to say of it in a way of half compliment half irony that it was too classical for representation End footnote. he would laugh ay, and heartily but then it must be at flaccus's quibble about Rex, or at the tristis severitas in volto, or inspicere in patinas of terence thin jests which at their first broaching could hardly have vis enough to move a roman muscle he had two wicks both pedantic, but of different omen. The one serene, smiling, fresh powdered, betokening a mild day. The other, an old, discoloured, unkempt, angry caxon, denoting frequent and bloody execution. Woe to the school! When he had made his morning appearance in his passe or passionate wig. No comet expounded surer j b had a heavy hand i have known him double his knotty fist at a poor trembling child the maternal milk hardly dry upon its lips with a sirrah do you presume to set your wits at me nothing was more common than to see him make a headlong entry into the schoolroom from his inner recess or library and with a turbulent eye singling out a lad roar out hurts my life his favorite adjuration i have a great mind to whip you then with a sudden retracting impulse fling back his lair and after a cooling lapse of some minutes during which all but the culprit had totally forgotten the context drive headlong out again piercing out his imperfect sense as if it had been some devil's litany with the expletory yell and i will too in his gentler moods when the rabidous furor was assuaged he had resorted to an ingenious method peculiar for what i have heard to himself of whipping the boy and reading the debates at the same time a paragraph and a lash between which in those times when Parliamentary oratory was most at a height and flourishing in these realms was not calculated to impress the patient with a veneration for the diffuser graces of rhetoric once and but once the uplifted rod was known to fall ineffectual from his hand when the droll squinting w having been caught putting the inside of the master's desk to a use for which the architect had clearly not designed it to justify himself with great simplicity averred that he did not know that the thing had been forewarned this exquisite irrecognition of any law antecedent to the oral or declaratory struck so irresistibly upon the fancy of all who heard it the pedagogue himself not accepted that remission was unavoidable l has given credit to b s great merits as an instructor coleridge in his literary life, has pronounced a more intelligible and ample encomium on them. The author of The Country Spectator doubts not to compare him with the ablest teachers of antiquity. Perhaps we cannot dismiss him better than with the pious ejaculation of C. When he heard that his old master was on his deathbed, Poor J.B. May all his faults be forgiven and may he be wafted to bliss by little cherub boys all head and wings with no bottoms to reproach his sublunary infirmities under him were many good and sound scholars bred first grecian of my time was lancelot pepys stephen's kindest of boys and men since co-grammar master and inseparable companion with dr tea. What an edifying spectacle did this brace of friends present to those who remembered the antisocialities of their predecessors. You never met the one by chance in the street without a wonder, which was quickly dissipated by the almost immediate sub-appearance of the other. Generally, arm in arm, these kindly coadjutors lightened for each other the toilsome duties of their profession, and when, in advanced age, one found it convenient to to retire the other was not long in discovering that it suited him to lay down the faces also oh it is pleasant as it is rare to find the same arm linked in yours at forty which at thirteen helped it to turn over the cicero de Amicitia, or some tale of antique friendship which the young heart even then was burning to anticipate co grecian with s was th- who has since executed with ability various diplomatic functions at the northern courts th was a tall dark saturnine youth sparing of speech with raven locks thomas Fanshawe middleton followed him now bishop of calcutta a scholar and a gentleman in his teens he was the reputation of an excellent critic and is author besides the country spectator of a treatise on the greek article against sharp m is said to bear his mitre high in india where the regni novitas i dare say sufficiently justifies the bearing a humanity quite as primitive as that of jewel or hooker might not be exactly fitted to impress the minds of those anglo asiatic diocesans with the reverence for home institutions and the church which those fathers watered the manners of m at school though firm were mild and unassuming next to m if not senior to him was richards author of the aboriginal britons the most spirited of the oxford prize poems a pale studious grecian then followed poor s ill-fated m of these the muse is silent finding some of edward's race unhappy pass their annals by come back into memory like as thou wert in the spring day of thy fancies with hope like a fiery column before thee the dark pillow not yet turned samuel taylor coleridge logician metaphysician bard how i have seen the casual passer through the cloisters stand still entranced with admiration which he weighed the disproportion between the speech and the garb of the young mirandula to hear thee unfold in thy deep and sweet intonations the mysteries of jamblichus or plotinus for even in those days thou waxed not pale at such philosophic draughts or reciting homer in his greek or pindar while the walls of the old gray friars re-echo to the accents of the inspired charity boy many were the wit combats to dally a while with the words of old fuller between him and C.V. Le G. Which too I behold like a Spanish great galleon and an English man of war. Master Coleridge, like the former, was built for hire and learning, solid but slow in his performance. C V L, with the English man of war, lesser in bulk but later in sailing, could turn with all tides, tack about, and take advantage of all winds by the quickness of his wit and invention nor shall thou their compeer be quickly forgotten Allen, with the cordial smile and still more cordial laugh which thou wert wont to make the old cloisters shake in thy cognition of some poignant jest of theirs or the anticipation of some more material and peradventure practical one of thine own extinct are those smiles with that beautiful countenance with which for thou wert the nurcus formosus of the school in the days of thy maturer waggery thou didst disarm the wrath of infuriated town damsel who incensed by provoking pinch turned tigress like round and suddenly converted by thy angel look exchanged the half-formed terrible for a gentler greeting bless thy handsome face next follow two who ought to be now alive and the friends of elia the junior le g and f who impelled the former by a roving temper the latter by too quick a sense of neglect ill capable of enduring the slights poor sizes as sometimes subject to in our seats of learning exchanged their alma mater for the camp perishing one by climate and one on the plains of salamanca le g sanguine volatile sweet-natured f dogged faithful Anticipative of insult, warm hearted, with something of the old Roman height about him. Fine, frank hearted F.R., the present master of Hartford, with Marmaduke T., mildest of missionaries, and both my good friends still, close the catalogue of Grecians in my time. End of section three.